Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye and... And Mayu. What's going on, everybody? Awesome, man. Seems like your mic fixed itself, eh? Did it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's because <laughs> I restarted my laptop. For the, I apologize to anyone who had to endure the rough microphone audio for the last couple of episodes. It was kind of <laughs> screwed up. That was my fault. <laughs> we're back to normal now. How's it going, man? What's new? What are you up to? I don't even know what updates to give anymore because it's always the same. Like, what do you, what do you, are you, are you, what, what do you want me to say, Mayu? Did you step out of the wholesaling business yet? Like, I wouldn't say I stepped out of it. Like, it's a lot more complicated than I was initially thinking. Mm. Um, so our disposition manager slowly getting up the pace, learning very quickly, very happy with this progress. Obviously, that layover in training is going to take a few weeks or months. We yeah. hired a new virtual assistant because our work is ramping up. And training takes a lot of time, I've realized, especially when you start balancing it with your other work. A lot of things in wholesaling, um, they still have to go to me at the end of the day. Well, not a lot of things when shit hits the fan, which happens quite often. So we have like a seller who is trying to back out of a deal Mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. It falls under my plate. Um, Or when there's difficult situations that people don't know how to navigate, I have to step in and be the problem solver. Like just now I have to have a conversation with one of our buyers and explain the situation because it's, it's hard to completely outsource that to a dispo manager because they might not know the process enough on the acquisition side and on the legal side, because some things are legal matters. And as a dispo manager, you need to communicate that over, but it will take some time. I still will be involved in the business, but not at an extreme magnitude, I hope. Um, As time goes on, employees become more uh, fluent at their job. And the goal is to get them to do things better than I could have done before, right? Like you want to hire people who are able to do things at a much better rate, pace, and with quality work than you could ever do yourself. So that will take some time, but it is trending definitely at the right direction. Yeah, it's just some more deals that they do themselves, right? That they dispo. Um, the more kind of different scenarios they'll, they'll learn and they'll just kind of go from there. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. Even on the acquisition side too, right? Because like we, we'll negotiate vacant possession and it's like, okay, like that's cool. But the acquisitions, people need to also realize that when you negotiate, and this is not just my acquisition, people, it's for anyone, period, right? To learn and, and understand. When you negotiate vacant possession and you don't do anything and let the seller do their thing, they won't know how to get the tenant out. So like, what was the point of doing it? You're just, kind of shooting everyone in the foot because it's going to lead to a mess near the end. So you have to facilitate that conversation and assist the seller because they're going to promise something to get a higher price, but they won't know how to take it to the finish line. Mm. Mm -hmm. How's your acquisitions going? Yeah, we're marketing at Thunder Bay right now. We're marketing all over the place, but Thunder Bay, we've been doing pretty well. Prices seem pretty decent there. So I don't know if I'll pick anything up myself. I did just very high level research uh, 105,000 population, but it is quite far. So it's going to be difficult to manage. I'm just based on what I'm looking at price per unit of off market deals. Again, like I haven't took a look into soul data too much yet, but um, I mean, you can pick things up for less than hundred K price per unit and a population size of 
over a hundred thousand. Yeah, so it doesn't good. seem too bad. And and the rental rates, as you know, almost the same in all of these cities at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Across Ontario, at least like don't take that across province, guys, but across Ontario for the most part. A lot of them the are the same. Especially yeah. like these mid-sized or big size cities. Um, what what have you been up to, man? Is uh is everything going well on your training? Yeah, I, I'd probably say we're at like a, a similar journey in terms of like I'm trying to onboard um the individual I hired for the mortgage business. But it's kind of like what you said, right? Like the more they do, the more they'll learn, the more efficient they'll become. Um, but in the meantime, I have to train and execute still. So it's a little bit of a shit show on that side for me. Um, but it's also, we're, we're closing the resort um, April 4th. Private lender is secured. Now we, we're trying to like aggressively satisfy conditions by the end of Friday. Not like that. They're like super like upper ass about it, but we just don't want to have any kind of excuse for them to you know, back out saying not enough time or whatever. Right. So we're looking at 68%, uh, it's 65% loan to value. And then, uh, interest is being capitalized into the loan. So we effectively end up at 68% loan to value. Um, and then there's another 1.1 million in uh, VTB, uh, which puts, I think that's about 20% of the purchase price. It puts us at about 88% loan to value. And there's another 200 K unsecured funds from the wholesale fee. Puts us at somewhere around like 90-ish percent, um, 92% or something like that loan to value. So it's definitely going to be a levered acquisition, but I like the fact that the interest is being capitalized in, which gives us a lot of breathing room while we kind of overall just, we have to hit a 1.3 debt service ratio. So we're in a good position to refi next year. And so now the next step is really just working it backwards to figure out, okay, what does that mean on a monthly basis? Like figuring out a budget to make sure, you know, we don't just spend what, like, all over the place and we capitalize the right expenses that we need to as well. Um, so yeah, overall things are going good, man. No regrets, but, uh, definitely, a, uh, you know, a fun time and throwing time with the resort, but we'll see how it goes, man. I think the key there is what you mentioned is you preserve your cash flow by capitalizing the interest rate. So yeah. you don't have to worry about that. That would be the biggest worry with bigger, uh, bigger acquisitions, not necessarily the profit margin. You know, there's going to be profit margin. It's like, okay, like, to get the profit margin, you need to survive the short and medium yeah. term till it backs out. <laughs> yeah. So for example, like April, we're looking at uh, partly because the current seller just didn't give a shit. Right. Um, so, so July, I think fully booked August is already predominantly booked. I think it's one weekend in July that like we're thinking about putting a wedding there. Um, June will, will get booked. It's already a decent occupancy rate. Uh, April and May is kind of that, like May will get booked decent amount. Uh, April is kind of a dead time, right? Cause in the winter, you've got snowmobilers, that kind of crowd coming out there in the summer. You've got obviously people coming for the summer. April is kind of dead. So like we were going to look at it like a heavy bleed in April anyways. Um, so, you know, having the interest capitalized just helps us kind of stay afloat for a little bit while we kind of, uh, cause we also have to spend money on furnishings, right? Like we got to buy like the like new bed sheets, like. Just like new, like everything, right? Yeah, nothing's um, turnkey, right? Like yeah. you still have to make some even minor upgrades. Minor upgrades, even if you spend ten to fifteen k per cabin, yeah. multiply that by like more than ten. Jesus Christ, yeah. or you're in the six figure range already. So, totally yeah. understand that. Um, we can create an entire episode on it. In fact, we <laughs> should once the once the property closes and and you get the ball rolling there. But yeah. until then, we're gonna jump into today's podcast episode. We have Graham Graham Thompson. The familiar name for a lot of you guys, if you invest in Windsor, Graham is our property manager for a lot of our properties, but not only is he an entrepreneur or a property manager who owns his own business, 
but he's also an accomplished real estate investor. Now he does a unique strategy nowadays where he's buying mixed use in Windsor because the residential market completely hot and he's finding opportunities for full burrs. Not only do we get into that, but we get into how grandma's able to scale up his portfolio when he was in his early twenties in Windsor. This is going to be an episode you do not want to miss out. He didn't go into corporate, went straight into full-time real estate investing. So a lot of golden nuggets here. And before we jump into it, like, subscribe, do whatever you can to support this podcast. We're at 107 or 108 ratings now on Apple Podcasts. Every, every day or every week that this goes by, my goal is going lower and lower. Can we, can we get to like at least high hundreds by the end of the year? Can we do that, guys? Um, anyways, enough begging for me. We'll jump into today's podcast. Take care, all. Hello, everyone. We are joined with our very special guest and good friend, also a property manager who helps us with our uh, properties down at Windsor. Graham, Graham, how's everything doing? I know you're more than a property manager nowadays. <laughs> I'm doing really well. Thanks for that, Austin. Yeah, a little bit of uh, conflict of interest. You guys have me on here. You know, maybe hyping up the business a little bit. I appreciate it very much, guys. Thanks for having me on. No, man, you're, you're actually so like, like our go-to guy in, in Windsor, for sure, 100%. You've killed it for both of us. You've done really good services really well. But you do a lot more than just property management. I think everyone knows you as a property manager guy in Windsor, but or hopefully they do if, if, if you don't already. But Graham, why don't you just give everyone kind of a rundown on yourself, you know, how you got started and, and what you're up to today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if I go back, um, I got started in real estate, I think in 2017. It was actually when I was at the University of Guelph. I switched programs to the real estate housing program at Guelph. I was in marketing beforehand and I always had a little bit of an interest in real estate. I love scouring realtor.ca for deals just looking at anything from mansions to the cheapest houses, just looking at deals and trying to compare them and trying to find the difference between the two and trying to find the value and actually just on listings on the market. I actually decided to live really humbly while I was in university and was able to save up enough between, you know, actually using my student loans and just not going out and eating craft dinner. And, wow. <laughs> and I, uh, I, I think it was about, $10,000 or so that I saved up wasn't much at all. And then I went to Windsor uh, of all places because I saw an opportunity here. Um, and at that time, um, I think my budget was about a hundred thousand, uh, for a single when family. Was this? Like what year was yeah. this in? What's that? Sorry. What year was this in? This was in, this was beginning of 2018, January, 2018, when I started looking out here. And uh, I was trying to find a single family home with four to five bedrooms in the West End that I could potentially rent out to students. So I, I finally landed on one. I met uh, Jeremy McGraw and uh, he was now my partner, as you guys know. And uh, we, uh, we found, we landed on a four bedroom student rental. It was on, on Bridge Avenue, which is the, the most glorious of streets, but you got to start somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I locked this up and we, uh, I remember coming down, bought it for 130000 So it was a little bit over my budget, but I was happy because I could add the fifth bedroom as well as, uh, you know, it was, it was very close to the university, you know, five minutes walking distance. So I locked it up. And then I remember coming down right away. I was actually doing an internship at the time at CBRE. And I, I had to ask them to get time off. This was uh, CBRE is a, you know, the biggest real estate um, services company in the world. 
they do commercial real estate. So I was entering there in the summers and uh, you know, learning quite a bit about investing. So I would actually take off time there to come down and I did the renovations myself. So I would, you know, it wasn't anything special, you know, flooring paints and was able to rent out the place at the end for 2000 a month to these students. I remember I rented it out one day. I had about 40 groups of students come to this open house. And, you know, at the end of the day, I had two groups of students that were there. They were both great groups. And I said, listen, guys, I'll, uh, <laughs> the first person that I, that sends me the e-transfer and I get the notification from gets the place. <laughs> and so they both scrambled with their phones and, and I, and I got it locked up and, uh, we went from there. So, I mean, at, at 130,000, I think my mortgage was 550 a month, 500 a month. Um, you know, the cash flow is pretty decent for a student. Um, pretty decent. Yeah, <laughs> not, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> cash on yeah. cash return is insane. Yeah, could have could have been worse for sure. So, uh, what was neat though, and this is where I got really lucky. At that time, I had a mentor, and that's that's actually who brought me into CBRE. Was my mentor at the time, and uh, I approached him one day. And it's funny how these things happen. I had spoken to a bunch of people before about investing in Windsor, and everyone was like, "Oh, you're kind of crazy being in Toronto, right? You know, nobody comes out here and." It was just a silly idea at that time for a lot of people. But then one day I approached my mentor at the office and I said, Hey, you have some time to talk? Said, yeah, sure. So we sat down. I said, do you have any interest in investing in, uh, in Windsor? I said, absolutely. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> so so uh, about a week later, we had a, a holding court formed and we were buying properties out there. So we ended up skyrocketing a little bit, purchasing single family homes and duplexes. We bought about five in the first year, which was huge for a guy like me. I mean, I was, I was 21 at the time, just bought one. And then we jumped to you know, five or six properties within a year. So it was, it was a pretty cool experience, kind of similar to you guys in that, you know, working with, you know, with partners. Uh, but uh, I got really lucky with him because he, was, you know, he, he would help me with the deals. So my deal with him was that I'd be the active partner. So I was managing all these properties. Um, and taking care of the rentals. So, and this was all, all while I was in university. So I was actually driving down from Guelph every weekend to try to manage all these properties and to outsource, to outsource more deals. So we had, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, and uh, we were able to build a little bit of a you know, portfolio. And then, as you guys know, we got really lucky. I mean, the market <laughs> shot. Well, I think you already buying some killer deals. And I think you saw the opportunity in Windsor early. So let me ask you this first before we get into kind of Break down where you went from there, but what what took you to Windsor, right? Because you said, like you said, Toronto guy, you're in Guelph for school. I didn't even know what Windsor was back when I was in university, right? So, so like, what takes you down to to Windsor? What you know, what really gave you that courage? Like, what attracted you? Was it just price point, or absolutely it was? I, you know, I mentioned beforehand that I uh, I really liked scouring the market. I would I would sit on Realtor.ca for hours and then just for fun, I'd look at mansions, I'd look at deals. And I kind of just wanted to get in the game at that point. And Windsor was really my only, uh, the only place uh, in close proximity or in Southern Ontario that I could get in. So that's what originally brought me to it. And then I noticed the, the return. Um, but what was interesting at the time is there was actually a minimum wage increase that was going to you know, come into place. I think the minimum wage was going from $11 to $14 or $15 at the time. And because a large population in Windsor is, works in the service industry, so I saw an opportunity there because 
the rents are so low. I thought that if they're hiking up the minimum wage 30, 40%, we might see that increase in rents as well. I'm not sure if that was the sole uh, indicator or the, the sole reason why uh, rents went up so much, but uh, there certainly was a major rental increase over the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we lucked out with appreciation rent, obviously appreciation in the prices of homes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that was the other thing. So the minimum wage alongside with the, the access, you know, the ability, the feasibility to actually purchase properties. This is crazy. I actually had no idea you started way back then. Yeah, same. <laughs> I, I thought, thought you started more recently, Graham. <laughs> I, I, but I did take a pause though. I remember, I think in uh, 2020, I, I didn't touch anything. I don't think I did a single deal. I didn't think I bought a single place in 2020 because I was so nervous. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on with the economy. I mean, COVID happened and it, was, it just freaked me out. And I thought that the whole economy was going to collapse. And how wrong was I? <laughs> so how did you transition to real estate full-time? I don't believe you did have a corporate career coming out of university, right? Out of university, I was the plan was actually to go work at CBRE. And then I took a shift. I really wanted to work for myself. Pretty independent guy. So I ended up partnering up with Jeremy McGraw. We went into property management. We saw a bit of a hole in Windsor um, in the, you know, the service of property management. And we said, uh, you know what, why don't we try and fill that gap he said, listen, I've got the clientele that needs it. I can help put your name out there. So I said, okay, let's do this. So I moved on down. We went full-time into property management. You know, zero doors or managing my own properties, to, uh, you know, around 300 doors now. And it's been a bit of a journey. You know, we mixed some construction in there. By the way, very, very tough business construction. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we love property management. We've been able to create a pretty good system. It's been quite a journey. And thanks to, thanks to Jeremy for believing me and working with me on that. And you know, our whole team out here, it's, uh, it's been, wouldn't be impossible without them. And you guys, really. You guys, I think you were one of the... You two were Just waiting for that. Joe. <laughs> accelerators for our business. We should work an equity piece out here or something. So, so that's awesome, Graham. You just went balls to the wall. You didn't have that much money saved up. You had a couple of properties, but of mm-hmm. course, properties don't necessarily mean that you're cash flush or anything. A lot of it's tied up in equity. And you went straight into the entrepreneurial route. Um, so you you had some experience with property management. You started the construction arm of things. Um, what was the logic for that? Why both property management and construction? Was it just for like cash purposes? Um, no, that's kind of what it ended up being or it's turning into. But uh, it's vertical integration. So for those who don't know what vertical integration is, it's essentially from top to bottom, you know, looking at what your business requires. So whether if you're in the landlord industry, you need someone to, to collect rent. You need someone to do construction or renovations on your property. You, on the back end, you need bookkeeping. Um, you need um, lawyers. You need, you need accounting. You need a mortgage broker. You need, uh, you, know, you need a good wholesaler. So uh, you need to find your deals. You need a realtor, right? So I thought you know, there's a hole there, but also this is going to serve our portfolio, if I start to build up a portfolio in Windsor, this is actually going to serve the business. And I mean, we've continued to do that. I mean, we added construction. We even started a bookkeeping firm to <laughs> add onto it. Yeah. That's the whole idea is to kind of build a full integration of services to service our own you know, investments. Because that's really all I'm doing. I, I don't do stocks. I don't do... I don't invest in crypto. It's really just real estate. <laughs> Maybe I should be hedging. I don't know. 
<laughs> but uh, but that's certainly the business I'm in. That's crazy, man. So, so okay, so there's so much I just, I, I didn't even know about you, Grab. So I'm like mindless, not where I thought it'd go. But uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, so I kind of want to rewind a little bit, right? So you bought those five properties back in I guess 2015, 16, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, how did you continue to scale from there? Because I know the stuff you're doing today, and I guess I'm wondering what what was the journey like to there, right? So five properties, call it 2016, and then. How did you attract joint venture partners? How did you raise the capital? How did you kind of get through? Good question. I, I, so if you go back to 2019, I think was like the last, like the beginning of 2019 was the last property we bought. And then we really didn't do much. I, I wanted to, I went to property management pretty heavy. So I didn't buy anything kind of towards the end of 2019 through 2020. And obviously during that time, the properties appreciated. So I kind of just sat on those properties. They went from being, you know, I, I bought all these for about a hundred thousand. I mean, I, I think the funnest deal I'll tell you about that one was, uh, an 11 bedroom house, uh, here in Windsor that I bought for $99,000. And yeah, that was, that was an interesting one. And I mean, I remember it was listed for 170 and then they listed for 130 and they had a bunch of work orders on it. And I said, listen, I'll take care of the work orders. Let's get this down 99. They said, okay, fine. Um, you know, it was a beat up property, you know, the guy had, he had actually changed it from a duplex back to a single family home to try to make it a rooming house, even though rooming houses weren't allowed in this area. So he had really just shot himself in the foot and had no clue what he was doing. So we went in there, we used the second, uh, uh, the ADU rule. So we used a, a single family home with a secondary unit to make it back into the duplex because it didn't have the lot width. We had to get a bunch of variances, a little bit of nightmare to turn it back into the duplex. So we went back to secondary unit and then we were able to, with about 50 to 60,000, I think at the time, um, you know, resided the house, fixed it up enough to, um, you know, to rent it out. We ended up renting up upstairs. We had four bedrooms. We rented that out for 1800 inclusive. And then downstairs we rented out for 1600 inclusive. So as we were all in for a buck 50, buck 60, and we had this place had rented out for 3,200 a month. We were like, whoa, <laughs> pretty good. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was the craziest one. But so, I mean, those properties appreciated like crazy. I mean, that property is probably worth five to 600,000 today, which is just nuts. But I mean, so last year I kind of got back on the buying spree again. Um, and I bought, I think six properties or um, and they're a mixture of properties. Uh, the first one we got was, this was with my JV partner, the same JV partner. Um, I bought a duplex out in St. John. This is, uh, I think the time around the time you were doing it by you. Yeah, and, uh, I was, I think I was pulling advice from you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it was, it was kind of interesting. I, I was a little bit let down. I had a great realtor, but I couldn't get financing. So we actually had to buy the place cash. And then it was, it was last minute, our mortgage broker, you know, said everything was good and then didn't get back to us, didn't get back to us, didn't get back to us. And it, the crazy thing is it, it, we actually went through about six mortgage brokers out there and not a single one actually helped us like get financing on the property. It was just, it was just such a hard thing to accomplish out there um, just to get people to work. Really. <laughs> but um, anywho, so that was the first one. And then I ended up buying a five unit building here. That one was on my own. And, uh, is that the one in Walkerville? This one? No, this one's, uh, 
it's on University in Windsor. It's kind of closer to downtown, in between Walkerville and downtown. I paid five hundred thousand for it, so it was a decent deal. It needs a bit of work. Had some people, some some tenants that need turning around. Decent deal, you know, not the craziest deal, but a solid addition to the portfolio. And then next was, I believe, a duplex. This one was pretty good. This was a duplex facing the water, but it was absolutely disgusting. It was, Mm -hmm. I walked into this place. I'm going to do a video. So if you check my social media later this week, you might see it. I walked in and walked out. It was literally, literally the floor was crawling with bugs. It was the most disgusting thing you've ever heard or seen, sorry. I walked in, walked right up. My, my pest control guy even did the same thing. And it was just oh, disgusting. But I was, it, was bad. <laughs> it, was, it was very bad. I've seen a lot of bugs, but this was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. They had, my pest control guy said they had pretty much every breed of insect you could think of. You know, they had to bomb the heck out of that place. I, I think I paid for six treatments before I even took possession. That was negotiated into the deal. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I didn't want my construction guys in there until we're sure. It was that bad. But I was able to pick the place up for about 180000 Um wow. Waterfront and, duplex. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was, it's yeah. not a small duplex either. It's a four-bedroom, one-bath, and a one-bedroom, one-bath in the back. It's back and front duplex. So it was a, mm-hmm. a little different, but a uh, decent area. And so I, I, you know, completely gutted the place. Um, I think I'm in for maybe 90 or hundred thousand new furnace, all new brand, brand new windows. And that one was a, a decent one. Cause we were able to refi. I was able to refi that at four thirty. So I got all my money out it's worth more than that, but I just said, okay, let's keep it rolling. And so I'm, that, that's actually interesting. Cause that's going to be my first Airbnb that I'm going to play mm-hmm. around with, mm-hmm. which we've done pretty well for. I actually just, uh, just launched it a, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We've booked every night since. So that's a good one. So last, I guess, 2020, no, sorry. You said 2021 duplex, fiveplex, and another duplex. No, uh, there's more stories. So I did a flip with Jeremy, Jeremy McGraw and me did a flip last summer. We started, um, just sold it. Pretty excited about that. We bought it for 230. Um, I think we're in for in total for about 350, maybe just, just over. And then we sold for 520. It was, it was a good one. It took a little bit longer than we thought. It was, uh, we made it gorgeous, top to bottom. Everything was redone. We had to redo all the electrical, all new heat pumps, fun projects. There was also uh, a fiveplex, another fiveplex in Walkerville that I picked up. Yeah. Um, this was with a partner, uh, the same JV partner. And this was a really good deal. It was off market. They needed to close in like two weeks. Just one of those that fell into your lap. A realtor approached me and said, hey, you know anybody that could close in two weeks? Well, what's the deal? You know, five unit, you know, a location, uh, great street in Walkerville, um, right near all the restaurants. And it was five units. I ended up paying 515,000 for it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's, it was, it's a good one. Cause there's some bigger units there too. It, there's a three bedroom, two bath, uh, two bedroom, one bath, two, one bedroom, one bath. And then there's, it's actually mixed use. So there's actually a commercial unit, but I was able to, Rent to my HVAC guy um, for eleven fifty plus all utilities, so it actually worked out pretty well. Um, the numbers mm-hmm. worked really well on the place. I'm really excited to see what the refi will look like after we're done fixing up the uh, three bedroom. That's the biggest unit, but uh, it, it's certainly one that I'm excited about. And then the last deal 
was, oh, it was uh, the Wyandotte. So I picked up a mixed use building on Wyandotte. So it was in Walkerville. It's kind of on the, just on like the, uh, the edge of Walkerville where it gets good. And <laughs> this is where I saw the opportunity because there's a few buildings around there that have value or because when you're right on the edge of Walkerville or you kind of where between where it gets good, I think I can get a few of these buildings at the right price and fix them up. Then, you know, the whole block has changed. Right. And yeah. that's where you can see, you know, huge upside, I think. So that one should be a full burr. I purchased that at 440,000. Wow. Uh, but what was neat about it was I had about 2,600 uh, per level. It's just, it's only two stories, but the basement, I had almost nine feet ceilings. So I was able to rent that out to another tenant. It's going to be four units, but at 440,000 and the units are massive. I mean, I have 2,600 per floor. So that means my two residential upstairs, I have two, three bedrooms that are about 1250 square feet, big, big units. Um, and I'm going to hopefully get an Airbnb those once I fix them up. Let's talk about mixed use for a bit. Um, we were talking a bit offline and you said you're pivoting your portfolio towards that because that's where you find opportunity. What exactly do you mean by opportunity? Like, is it less competitive, better deals? Like, what are you seeing there? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, definitely less competitive. Residential real estate in Windsor has kind of gone berserk. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very competitive. You know, multiple offers on everything. Everything's selling for more than the realtors even think it'll sell for. It's just a very, very competitive space. You know, there's four plexes and older areas selling for over a million. And this is all new. <laughs> the people who are in Toronto are like, hey, that doesn't sound very bad. That's, that's, that's very expensive here. So a lot of people get nervous when it comes to HST and the different rules that come with commercial real estate. So I saw opportunity in that, just that there's just much less competitive space. Also, I think it's kind of cool. It's something that I can kind of buy into, especially the whole dream of kind of fixing up that block. If I could get a few properties in there and be a part of that change and help uplift that commercial corridor, you know, that's something I'd get excited about because I'd be a part of, you know, improving the city. So I guess with mixed use, does it never concern you that, you know, I guess part of the argument is residential real estate will always have to match. People will always need a place to live, right? Um, yeah. myself, Austin, I guess you guys, I think now have a office space, but you know, maybe exclude yourselves from this. Right. But a lot of like small businesses, we could work from anywhere, right? There's co-working, there's work from home. Like we can do anything. So are you ever concerned about your ability to tenant a place? Cause I'll tell you this, I've got two commercial units as well myself. And I just let the tenants yeah. stay there, even though they pay way under market rent, but I'm like, shit, like if they leave, I don't know who the heck I'm going to get in here. Right. So I just, <laughs> I'm just letting them ride it out for as long as they will. Right. Yeah. So, so does that ever concern you or no? Yeah, you know what? You're not you're not wrong. I'm curious. Where's your where are your commercial units? Uh, it's not in Windsor. It, it's uh, it, it's in Kirkland Lake. So so I've got a very different concern than, than you do. But yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's similar similar in Windsor for sure. There's a lot of people that want to start businesses. There's definitely a high vacancy rate in commercial, much higher than um, residential. I know office space. The statistic here in Windsor is thirty percent vacancy rate in office. Mm. That's a scary statistic. One thing they've done is they've introduced downtown um, some grants to convert the office or the commercial space, um, you know, above the first story downtown to to residential, which I think will help. But for me, to answer your question, I think it's a, a little bit different of approach. 
And I learned this from a couple other commercial investors here in Windsor. When you're renting to these commercial guys, the strategy that I was taught was to find a business that you believe in, that you can kind of get behind, that you think is going to do well. You know, obviously the business owner or the entrepreneur is going to, you know, have to have passion and you know have a real business plan and uh, give them a good rate. Don't try to price gouge them, especially the first couple of years. Um, you know, sign a one-year, two-year lease with these guys at a reduced rate. Um, get them set up and help, try and help them succeed in their business. You got to be in their corner a little bit. You got to try to help them. You know, do well. It's very different because it's as a residential investor. You know, you want to get the very best price point, and you don't want to spend any money. You want to spend the least amount of money, and you want to get the highest price point. Um, with commercial, I feel like you almost have to say. I wonder what I could do to help their business. Is it, do they need bigger windows? Are the windows like scary on the storefront or does the shop look scary? Can I improve the facade to encourage people to come in? You know, I have a retail store moving into my commercial unit. Um, they sell clothing. How do I make it more attractive? So that's something I look at. I mean, I, what I did is I exposed all the walls. We had this old plaster and drop ceiling. So I exposed all the walls. And uh, you know, we refinished all the brick inside, and we exposed the ceilings. So the ceilings have these beautiful metal tiles. You know, that space is going to be awesome. People are going to come in there. They're going to want to take photos. They're going to want to spend time there. It's cool. It's going to be going to be fun. So that's my approach, and that's the strategy I was taught. And then you know, as that business becomes more successful, then you say, "Listen, we built this together a little bit. You know, we we can we can work on the rents. You know, the rent increases come. To it. You know, I gave you a break in the first couple of years." Let's raise this 10%. You know, if they're doing well, they're going to pay it, right? You know, especially if you, you show them the other competitive leases out there, right? And the other op- opportunities. I mean, there's going to be other people who are going to want to rent your beautiful space after you're done with it. But, you know, you get a good tenant in there. You know, the, the business I brought over, they've been in business for 10 years. Very successful in what they do. So, yeah, that, that's, that's the strategy that I, was, I was taught. So that's, that's what I would go with. But I mean, a, a small town, it, I mean, the smaller town, the, the less options you have, right? Yeah. That's fantastic. That actually makes a ton of sense there. Um, so it seems like at the beginning, obviously you're going to take a bit of a hit for that particular unit, but that's why you also have the two cash cow residential units there. I guess that was, <laughs> that's what ultimately attracted you to purchase that particular property. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I, I rented at the main floor for 1500 which is really cheap for a 2,600 square foot commercial, uh, you know, on a commercial corridor, retail front. Um, fifteen hundred, and then the basement at eight fifty. That really helped. So I wasn't going to include the basement with the the commercial space, and I was looking for around two thousand or twenty two hundred. But I'm doing even better than that because I didn't include the basement. And now moving upstairs, I did speak to a couple Airbnb arbitrage guys that were willing to rent it off me for eighteen hundred. So that's a decent standpoint. Even if you're going to put seventeen hundred for both those units, you know, each unit, right? Each unit, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the numbers are pretty solid at the purchase price of 440. Since I, I don't really have much to do in this building, it's mostly cosmetic stuff. I'll probably be in for about 60 to 70,000. So, total in, you know, 520, let's call it, you know, and we're grossing. Austin, I don't know if you're typing in there, but we're, <laughs> we're about uh, 35, 15, we're at uh, almost 6,000 a month. So, when I do my refi uh, based on the cap rate and the income approach, I think that we're going to have a no, pretty, pretty good yeah. refi there. <laughs> you guys are looking at pretty, yeah. pretty significant lift. Okay, so so I think we broke down your real estate portfolio quite a bit there, and it's obvious that you know you're doing a lot. 
I want to talk to you a bit because you meant there's obviously two businesses, but there's three, the third being flipping, but excluding that, I think the property management business and the Airbnb business, which you're just getting into, I think would be pretty cool to break down, right? So I'm curious from a property management perspective, like what's the business like? Is it, I guess the ultimate question is, is it worth it? Right. Uh, because, I, you know, there's all these horror stories about people that have to deal with tenants and, and the property management business, you know, not being that lucrative. But uh, I'd be curious, you know, what your your thoughts are on it, your impressions. Like, at what point does it make sense? Well, at what point would it make sense to start your own property management company? No, I guess it's not even really starting it. But do you find that it's a worthwhile business? Do you find it's easily scalable? Um, and then, yeah, I guess, yeah, that, that's the other question. At what point does it make sense to start your own property management company? Yeah, very, uh, very tough business, not an easy business. And uh, if I were to go back, maybe there would have been easier businesses to get into that also involve real estate. But uh, we've been able to scale it to a point, um, thanks to our amazing clients, uh, yourself included, <laughs> um, and uh, you know our team members. I was lucky to bring in my, my family. I brought uh, two cousins in. Um, and when, when I brought my two cousins into the business, that's when it really seemed to shoot up and really get a lot easier. Because at the beginning, I was hiring people here that weren't really emotionally driven or involved in the business. Mm. And so it was tough because I was putting all this effort in and nobody really else was. So I, I was working from <laughs> sun up to sundown every day. I was working 16 hour days con- consistently every day on the business. And at that point, you, you know, I wasn't really seeing much reward from it, especially considering, you know, I'm, I'm making a lot of money in the real estate, actually investing, but I thought, okay, this will turn into something someday, someday. <laughs> just keep, just keep going, just keep going. And, uh, you know, when my cousins moved down, we had a team, uh, that, you know, there's three of us now and, uh, we're all working together and we're, uh, you know, working on outsourcing. You know, one of the best things is, one of my cousins well helped us outsource a number of our support team is now outsourced. Um, that alleviated a lot of stress and time off us and was able to help us scale even further and to lower our costs. By doing that, that made it, you know, helped us quite a bit. And in terms of whether it's worth it, I would say property management, it's an interesting business, it's a tough business. But what it's helped me to do is obviously to to leverage further. It's, you know, it's my solid, it's my job, um, as well. And, you know, I do get a small, um, incentive or discount for my own properties. <laughs> I do, I do pay though for property management, <laughs> but I, uh, I do get a discount. So there is that vertical integration where I do save on the, the services. So that, that is helpful. Is there a number of units at which you kind of like, maybe not break even, but you start to kind of reap the profits? Yeah, you know what? It's 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 a it's a tough question. I'm not sure at what point it might be. I think it would be you'd have to look at the numbers and try to figure yeah. out. It'd be different for every individual, especially if you're your cash. If you're highly leveraged and you're not cash flowing as much, it might not make sense to even have property management. Um, yeah. You know, you might have to do it on your own. So every every individual's portfolio, I think, would be a little bit different. Different people do it different ways. I mean, I know a guy, a gentleman here in Windsor who has 300 units. He just hires one guy mm-hmm. or two guys and you know, they do maintenance and they, they do everything. And he just pays them a salary, pays them both a salary. In terms of actually establishing property management company that has full services and can serve other people, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that number would be. Yeah. That's, that's a tough question. I, I guess <laughs> it depends on the type of... Numbers. 
I guess part of it depends on, you know, how much systems you build out, what your kind of software cost is, what the ages of the properties you're dealing with. I guess that gets passed on, but still, it's just more so curiosity. So the last question out of curiosity here is uh, you're entering into the Airbnb business in Windermere. I've always been curious, like, what do the numbers look like? What's the demand like for Airbnb in Windsor? And I guess I could just hop on AirDNA, but I figure if you've got these Airbnbs up and running, do you have an idea like what occupancy rate is, what like nightly averages are or anything like that? I'll, I'll be honest, I'm just getting started. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely not the expert on that. Um, there's, there's, there's people out there a lot smarter that I go to yeah. for these questions. Uh, I will tell you though, that since I launched my Airbnb, I haven't had one vacancy. And, uh, you know, but I I did set the prices a little bit low just to get it going, make sure that there was a lower vacancy rate. Um, I guess yours uh, is like right by the water and it's like the perfect Airbnb type property, right? I think I got really lucky with that. I think that's, that's another niche. Um, so if anybody's looking at Windsor, I mean, if you're looking to do Airbnbs, downtown area is great because you're getting properties at a lower rate or a lower price point on purchase. And it's a bit tougher to rent to tenants downtown Windsor. Because a lot of the high-end tenants or the stronger tenants um, mm-hmm. want to be outside of the, the central Windsor area. They want to be in right. Walk East Windsor, South Windsor. But downtown, you're close to everything. So Airbnb is really strong downtown Windsor. So if you have a property downtown Windsor or you're looking to purchase one, I would look into it. I would see if that's an option. Okay. Yeah, I guess you avoid, you essentially reduce your, your tenant risk um, with the Airbnb approach, which I guess is a, it's a big selling point as well, right? So. Huge so I think we covered uh, a good amount of, I think we're a little bit over time. So Austin actually has to drop up, but um, <laughs> so overall, usually at this point in the podcast, we like to ask our guests two questions, right? So you've been in this game for a while now. Um, I'd be curious to hear what you think the biggest risk is for new investors in today's market. Yeah. Great, great question. Um, you know, back when I started, I mean, I mentioned, I just wanted to get a game. And, uh, you know, looking at the numbers in terms of the cash flow I was getting in the properties, I think it made sense for me. I think it made sense for me just to get in the game. Didn't really matter what I'd buy because, you know, I could pretty much cash flow on every single property I bought in Windsor at that point. The one thing I would say to people, and this is not to discourage you to get into real estate at all, it's to not rush the first one or, or the second one. It's uh, to wait for the deal. There were months and months at end that I was bugging my realtor every day. You see anything? You see anything? You see anything? Mm. Um, and back the then in 2015? <laughs> well, I mean, I was comparing these deals, right? I was looking at, yeah. I was looking for the very best, the very best deal. Even yeah, yeah. In today, I mean, it's almost impossible to find these deals anymore, but, but don't, don't rush the first deal. Don't, don't, don't just buy anything. Um, try to find something that's decent that you, that you see potential in rather than just getting into the game. Awesome. All right, Graham. You know, the second question that we usually like to ask people is, is where do you see yourself five years from now? Uh, you can talk about it from a business perspective, but also from an investing perspective as well, since you've got both pretty strong kind of going for you. Yeah. So, so continue to scale property management, um, continue to scale the other businesses. Uh, you know, we just started an electrical business as well. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the bookkeeping business, especially that's, uh, I, I see a lot of uh, promise in that business. Um, the real estate portfolio just continued to grow it. Um, you know, finding deals, finding places where I can add value, and uh, you know, hopefully, that block that I'm trying to buy, maybe you know, that block is now mm-hmm. a place where people go to shop every day. Yeah, I'd say that's probably where I'm. I'm seeing myself maybe maybe doing a little bit more traveling, maybe not working as much, or maybe I am working as much, or maybe just remotely. 
through, man. You, you freaking grind anytime, anytime we call you. Not that I'm telling everyone to start calling Graham, but um, anytime we call you, you know, you're, you're always grinding and, and available. So I appreciate it, Graham. Um, all right, Graham. So, so thanks for thanks for taking the time to hop on here. I know we've been uh, trying to make you work for a couple of times, largely yeah. as a result of our fault. But um, you know, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you hopping on here and asking all the questions. Austin usually does the exits, and and I'm terrible at this. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And as always, guys, uh, best smarter and live better.